Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. It is August 23rd already. Oh, my goodness. And PK is with us tonight. Thank goodness. PK, how are you? I, I'll just put it this way. It's been a heck of a breezy week. Oh, we'll just put it that way. And it's really I know getting everybody... Yeah, the winds there, you're saying, are bringing oh, in God. allergies like crazy. Oh, I look yeah. like a raccoon with puffy eyes. <laughs> God. Oh, my God, you poor thing. You my voice. But ah. the thing that we really need to pay attention to, folks, is Mercury went retrograde today. And that is not going to be fun. So Mercury being retrograde, anything to do with communications, can and will be misinterpreted. Turned around, we're not going to be sure of what we hear. What If we think we're here, double check. It's a, when Mercury turns retrograde, it relates to making any kind of decisions, signing contracts. By God, please, be cautious of any contracts you have to sign. You have to be very careful. Read the fine print and pay attention to all the details this time because you can't very well do it over. There's no do-overs when it comes to this. But when it turns retrograde, we also have Mars in retrograde right now. So the combination relates to decision-making and definitely signing contracts. So make sure to read the fine print and pay attention to all those little details this time because we don't want to have any periods that you can get out of, shall we say, once it's over with. So that's yeah. the thing to pay attention to. And when is Mercury that, retrograde going to be over this time? <laughs> uh, around the 27th. Of September. It's, it's a, it's, yeah. It's it's a three-week long. Look forward to September 15th when we can come out of this. But remember, we always have that shadow period afterwards. Before it right. starts and after it takes hold. <clears throat> so we've got that ongoing. And so it's we're also, Mercury is right next to Mars having its own little issues. So it's it's kind of like a little bit of a chicken fight going on here. Who's in charge? Well, it's certainly not us, unless you're born in a retrograde. Then you've got some positive things taking place. But with the Mars-Mercury combination, it's still going to pose a problem for us. Oh, my. Okay. Well, we'll just yeah. kind of hold our breath till it's over. <laughs> well, if we do, we're not going to be here. So, <laughs> Oh, gosh. Just make up your mind to what you need to do. Pay attention to the details. And, God, sign nothing without double-checking, triple-checking, whatever. Don't just assume. We all know what assuming yeah. does, doesn't it? Oh gosh. Well that's good right. advice. But we do we do have a super blue moon coming up in a couple of weeks, right? Yes, we do. But I'll put some things together and put that on the website for others to take a look at. I'll put it on my webpage coming up. Yeah, and we so can we talk about that. To see what's what. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about it next week before it happens cuz these super blue that's moons, right. pink, green, whatever they are, they're all they always bring something extra in. And it's usually yeah. something good. It definitely is. And if we if we stop and take a look at things, this month we know reviews last year. So we've got the retrograde ongoing. So things that we didn't finish up, let's get it off the table so that come September we don't have to look over our shoulder anymore. There's just been too many things 
it's, it's like carrying coals to Newcastle, as I say. We don't need that. We need to start paying attention to the details of what's going on around us going forward instead of looking over our shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. It's important right. for us to get that going. Clear the decks and get ready for a new year. Definitely so, definitely so. But like I said, be very cautious of what you sign. And I think more than anything else, whatever we read also, double-check it. We we tend to spot read, and we think we've got the answer from what we just saw. And if we reread it, it'll be like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't see that part. Don't right. assume. Double-check everything right now. Yeah, it really is better not to sign, though. Isn't it better not to sign a contract in this time period? Oh, definitely so. But the thing is, if you read it, you get good advice, and you put it in order, that's fine. If you were born in a retrograde, hey, have at it. You're in good shape. Right, then it doesn't affect you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. that's, That's the hard part. And it's not just letting things go right now. We're reviewing last year's issues. And if we don't get those off the table, we're going to have those sitting on our shoulders as we go into a review of this year. We need to get some of this dead wood out of the way. We're carrying too many leftovers. It's time we started working on going forward and all the good things that we know are coming up because, hey, next year's going to be a great one because it'll help us financially and so many different directions. But right now, we're holding on to things that aren't our responsibility any longer if we do it properly. If we don't, it's going to be like carrying this great big bag of trash behind us. Yeah. Think positive. Go forward. Yes, and let go of the other stuff. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. We know what to do. That sounds good. I, so, I, I always think of take all the things that, that are negative around you. Visualize them going into this great big knapsack. And as you throw it in the car, as you drive down the road, drop your window, visualize yourself throwing it out. You don't care where it goes. It's just not going home anymore. Yeah, that's good. Nice visualization to get rid of that stuff. Definitely. I want to direct everybody also to our homepage, supernaturalgirls.com, and take a look at everything that we have for your health. It's on our homepage, and we have some incredible products there. You get a discount if you purchase anything from our page. We don't sell these, um, but we will point you in a direction to take a look at them to see if they're right for you. Again, we have Air Energy. This is a very special oxygen machine. It's spiralized, photosynthesized oxygen. And this does not produce any free radicals, which I don't know if anybody that's listening is on oxygen, but if you are, you probably know that oxygen can produce free radicals. Nobody wants that. So energy has a system that allows you to be fully oxygenated without free radicals. And there's other elements that are added to this that make it a very powerful health treatment. So you can find that on our homepage, take a look at it. And if you want more information, uh, there is their sales representative is listed there, Joan, and she can answer all of your questions. This is a system that you can buy for your home or if you are a spa owner or a wellness center owner, then they also have professional machines that you can buy for your spa or your wellness center. So take a look there. We also have the Weber technology, also from Germany, and that is the new Endolite band that you just put on your wrist for half an hour a day. And they have many other things. Dr. Weber is a true genius. He's been on the show talking about his inventions. They are leading edge. And, again, all of this that we have on our homepage is designed to put your health back into your own hands so that you don't get lost in the ups and downs and roller coaster ride of the traditional medical system. So take a look and see if anything is a good fit for you. Now, we have a really interesting guest tonight, and he's going to be talking to us about birds and the 
spirit of birds and what are they saying to us? Are we listening? He's going to tell us all about birds and their communication tonight. His name is Dr. Alan Powers, and he earned his Ph.D. in English from the University of Minnesota in 1974 with postdoctoral studies at Princeton, Brown, Harvard, Cornell, the Folger Library, Breadloaf, and more. There's a place in Italy I can't pronounce, but that's there as well. The American Academy in Rome also. He is Professor Emeritus of English at Bristol Community College, where he was chairman of the English department from 1988 to 1992. He is the author of several books, including Conversations with Birds and the Worlds of Giordano Bruno, and he lives in Westport, Massachusetts, a neighbor of mine. So we are so excited to have him here. So, Alan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for your uh, glowing introduction. And, yeah, you live up in the Berkshires, don't you? <laughs> that's right. Patricia. That's, yeah, that's yeah, right. Because yeah, of your 413. Uh, I, I could uh, read a little bit about um, what birds don't talk about. They don't talk about sports. And I, I claim they would basically beat us in every sport we do, you know, high hurdles, a uh, hundred yard dash, <laughs> they're the hummingbirds faster than any of us. Uh, and, um, bird stock portfolios are remarkably thin, although some few species do hoard and their discussion of investments can be summed up in the seasonal ebb and flow of sunlight. They do uh-huh. chatter a great deal about weather. And rain causes many to sink into silence. Not the mm. Romans, though. Even among humans, the avian ability to discuss weather instead of serious subjects has always been a sign of good breeding, and birds are nothing if not good breeders. The migratory mm. species would probably watch the weather channel before migration if they knew human language. Certainly butterflies should, too. When Hurricane Bob tore through Rhode Island at 110, talk about winds you were talking about, 110 miles an hour. I saw dozens of monarchs caught in their migration sweep backwards at very high speeds. Uh, One recent October, I heard um, uh, around sunrise, very rapid 16th note triplets and ascending minor third. The, this was a Carolina wren. I don't know what birds your your listeners are familiar with, but uh, if they're familiar with what certain birds look like, I would love to have them. And there's even a website for this, although I've forgotten the name. I'd love to have them start being aware of what they say. Robins, for instance, have kind of a creaky. They sound sort of like a screen door. They do. They're not really uh, pure toned. Like the chickadee, the chickadee. Um, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson has a poem on a chickadee, and he says the chickadee saved him. He was three miles from home in a in a snowstorm, and this chickadee. He calls it a titmouse because that's the species it is. Uh, this chickadee did, you know, like that, and uh, he he got um, uh, attended to it, and the chickadee sort of. Uh, woke him up in this storm, and he found his way back home um, because the chickadee, he said, was so courageous against the winds and the storm. It was saying what Caesar said, Wainy, weedy, weaky, I came, I saw, I conquered. So he says the chickadee, Hmm. that's what it's saying. (laughs) Anyways, So it saved his life. It saved his life, which is just an amazing experience. Exactly. And it's a fa- it's a fairly long uh, poem, about eighty lines, you know. And and he said he's got great lines in it. One of them is the sky dotes on cheerful song. You know, a lot of people see uh, birds as as cheerful. Well, they are and they aren't. You know, they they go through moods just like anybody else. And and uh, uh, the wood thrush actually sounds sort of sad in a way, but it's like the blues. It's sad and happy both at once. The wood thrush does this. Uh, if you just play the black keys on a piano, you're doing the the pentatonic scale, which is what wood thrush uh, do in their song. Hmm. 
you know, or parts of that. And and um, Frost has a poem about it where he says, as I came to the edge of the wood, the thrush music, heart. It, now, if it was light outside, inside, it was dark, too dark in the wood for a bird by sleight of wing to better its perch for the night, though it still could sing. Far in the pillared dark, thrush music went. Almost like a call to come in to the dark and lament. But no, I was out for stars. I would not come in. I meant not even if asked, and I hadn't been. So he he, he goes against the poetic thing that uh, that birds are talking to invite us. They're not. They're talking to each other mostly, but we do feel the invitation of their song. Well, I would think that a lot of birds might feel kind of ignored by humans because we block it out, you know. So mm. We don't know what, the, what they're saying, so we just kind of go on about our business and and we don't pay attention. And I mean, every morning yeah. I well, go outside and I hear them singing, and it's so beautiful. But I don't know yeah, how many yeah, yeah. people actually get that opportunity. No, and do you have a favorite bird in Western Mass? Uh, there was a wonderful... Uh, my, I have a friend who lives on top of South Mountain, south of Pittsfield, and uh, mm-hmm. one bird in his trees was a, a, a peewee, which I cannot repeat right now, but it does a, it does a sort of something like that up, and it was a way tall, you know, up in a 80-foot, 70-foot tree, you know. Um, but yes, uh, we do ignore what they're saying because we don't. We don't have, we don't know their language, and I'm trying to understand their language essentially. But they are saying different things. A lot about weather. They change. For instance, if it's cold, there was a famous um, astronomer named Harlow Shapley who made uh, a thermometer out of ants because ants travel di- directly as the temperature. When it's a hotter temperature, ants go faster. And when it's colder, huh. they go slower. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the opposite of us. But uh, and I think my theory is with birds uh, and weather that when it's um, colder, they um, they are faster with their their you know their 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 speech basically. Mm-hmm. And there's so mm-hmm. many things that the, the uh, black, uh, uh, crows are very complex talkers. But I don't really have crows near me. The Crows I knew were when I was in my grandparents' farm up in Norway, Maine, up on Crockett Ridge, and I heard a lot of crows, but I didn't really know anything about bird song back then, you know, or bird talk. So uh, I never really mastered the crow language. But all the blackbirds have incredible, incredible um, uh, speech. Uh, for instance, the Euro blackbird, very different from the starling or any of those, the Euro blackbird, we I heard them in Naples, Napoli, and and in London, and uh, they do uh, uh, very complicated. And li- they seem diatonic, but they're they're not. This is one of the blackbirds I heard, uh, Euro blackbird, in uh, Weymouth, England, and it did this. And that was just the two measures that it repeated. It did another 70 different kinds of, or 70 measures of different things. So it was very, very inventive. It was a real composer, you know, and it's just an average blackbird, you know, in, in England. It's amazing. Or in, in really. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, one of the things that, that's amazing to me is that crows can mm-hmm. talk, you know, whether yes, they're yes. mimicking what they hear from yes. us or they're really, but I guess. Yeah. I feel like they really understand what they're saying, and they're so oh, they intelligent. Have, they have, and they can actually, uh, uh, many birds can actually sort of imitate human words to some extent. I don't know about crows, but macaws certainly can. There was a, we had a friend uh, who had a macaw in a cage, but, but she let it out in, uh, um, she was the dean of, of art at RISD, a famous art school in Providence, but she uh Donna Bruton, and and this macaw perfectly imitated my laugh, just perfectly. It sounded just like me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It is hilarious. 
It was just, I couldn't believe it, the, the ear of these things. You know, the birds really have better ears. It makes perfect sense, you know, uh, that, that that anything that depends as much on, on uh, uh, speech uh, as, that's music, you know. And, and some of the different birds that that uh, I think of as a song sparrow, uh, there's a, a, a 1909 book by Schuyler Matthews, wonderful book, Wild Birds and Their Music. And he compares the song sparrow, something like that. He said he heard one that sounded exactly like uh, La Donne Mobile uh, from Verdi in uh, Rigoletto. La Donne Mobile. I won't actually sing it because I can't sing. But uh, but this this uh, this uh, bird um, uh, did it just a uh, song sparrow did almost a perfect Verdi, you know. And I myself tried to teach. I tried to teach a uh, a, a uh, or an oriole. Now, orioles are the birds that you hear in the spring. You hear kind of a bluesy note. They're, they used to be the first ones back, but now they do this sort of bluesy, hmm. you know. But eventually, they can. Um, they can. I'm trying to find the page with the. Um, uh, here it is. Uh, Uh, I said, uh, I don't know how he did it. Uh, Giovanni di Bernadone at St. Francis. He, they said he talked to birds. He seems to have engaged them somehow, spoken to them. I tried this once with Oriole. I noticed one who made three short notes and then two glissandos, a minor third lower. So he did <laughs> to hint at what I tried. The first three notes sounded like the first notes of Beethoven's most famous theme, starting his fifth symphony. The only hitch was the fourth note, glissando down a half step. And the Oriole's fifth note repeated that gliss exactly. I figured I could use the bird's tonal flexibility and whistle the fifth note a half step plus a quarter note higher. The God... The bird did it. I had preached to a bird, <laughs> so so <laughs> I found uh, you know uh, some some uh, 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 Oriole doing a, a little bit of Beethoven, something like Beethoven, and uh, as uh, did Schuyler Matthews with the Song Sparrow doing uh, a little Verdi. Uh, right now, up here yeah. we have barred owls. And they have a uh, wonderful way of talking to each other that you hear yes, echoes throughout yes. the woods. It's really, yes, really, yes. I love it. It's powerful. I used and, to be, yeah, 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 yeah. I used to be able to do one of the barred owl uh, uh, talks, but 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 I I haven't I haven't done one lately. The, the we have a in back here we had a. A, a great naturalist named Herb Hadfield, who left his land. Now you can walk on his lands and stuff. Uh, he had a, a one of the first windmills. It didn't work very well, but but he also had a an owl who had uh, been, I think, as a, a as a young owl, it had uh, lost uh, uh, some of its strength, the wing or something. You know, had been hit. So he had this owl, and so we'd have this. Oof, oof. Ooh, oops. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. I'm not doing it very well. It's, it was a, a deep sound, but, it, you know, they carry just amazingly. Well, that's and, what's and so amazing to me, yes. They, yeah, they yeah, do yeah, carry yeah, yeah. throughout the whole forest, it, and and it is yeah. amazing. I mean, it's so so obvious that they're talking to each other because I'll hear one yeah. hooting and, and then I hear the other why, one return a call. Maybe they do it to terrify their prey, you know. Because why would they want to make their presence known? Because they they are among, they are the best predators. Owls, you know, they come in at night. They they come. There was an owl that tried to take um, a blue heron out in Cornell. Blue herons are huge, and they have a big They're nest. Big. But yeah. they come in. They come in at night, 
and he tried. He didn't. He didn't succeed to get this blue heron because the interesting thing about heron is when they're uh, squunched up to sleep, both ends look the same. So he got the wrong end. <laughs> he didn't get the head. The owl came in, and he got the wrong end. So, it, but uh, but Orna, you know, the Cornell, the School of Ornithology. Uh, I've been out to the the pond, and but there's some such wonderful things that come out of there. Um, well, one yes, time we had out. we were we were going uh, from the car to the house, and we had two dogs with us, and they were both mm-hmm. white, and mm-hmm. the owls. It was really funny because I had just moved up here and I wasn't used to their sounds. And mm-hmm. I thought there were wild monkeys in the in the woods mm-hmm. because that's what mm-hmm. it sounded like. Mm-hmm. They were so excited. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is that? And then uh, yeah. we, we had some people up here that were experts with birds of prey, and they said it's because of your dogs. They go nuts over white animals. They they just oh, really? love to go That's after them. Yes, yes, and so it, it was. But they sounded like wild monkeys to me because it, it wasn't a hooting. It was more of an hysterical yeah. experience. Yeah, it, but it yeah, was but great. They, do, do it was they, great. Yeah, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't attack a dog. I don't think. But they do eat. They, they have, eat. They can they, eat. A, they can eat. A, they carry cats away. Up here. Uh, uh, oh. I see. They've carried cats I away. See. One of them even took a thirty-pound cat, which is like unheard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're I've big. Read, they have a, up the, here. They have a yeah. wingspan of five feet, so they're yeah, they're yeah. really large. But what I also found so interesting about them when we talked to this wildlife expert is how light they are. I mean, their mm. their weight mm. is so light, but they're powerful. Those talons, yeah, I wouldn't want to be grabbed absolutely, by yeah. that. But yeah. anyway, no, no, but no. We, and I, I did read about a, an owl taking a small goat. Yeah, oh yeah, my so, God. Yeah, 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 goats yeah. are big animals. Uh, Even a small baby, goat, a baby goat. That's big. Yeah. Oh my but, goodness. You know, as far as weight goes, as far as weight goes, you know, hummingbirds, um, uh, I think, are uh, weigh less than a penny. But it might be a British penny. I don't know. It might be. I don't, <laughs> but I read this somewhere, and, and uh, they 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 can go. You know, uh, 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 Emily Dickinson has, has some wonderful poems on, on uh, one on a hummingbird. Um, uh, 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 oh yeah, two of the lines are uh, a, a oh yeah, root of on a revolving wheel. The resonance of emerald, that's the greenish part for the eastern, the only hummingbirds we see. Uh, resonance of emerald, a rush of cochineal, cochineal is reddish, and every blossom on the bush reclines its, tilts its head. The male from Tunisia, probably, an easy morning ride <laughs> to the speed of the hummingbird. So... Uh, uh, but uh, uh, so uh, wonderful. That's the one. But I I just saw a wonderful special on uh, on Costa Rican hummingbirds, oh, and there are like uh, eight eight or nine different varieties. Some of one mm. had bigger wings because they lived up pretty high on the mountains down there, and uh, they they so much depends upon these hummingbirds. The the, the the, um, the fertilization, you know, we think of bees and stuff, but these hummingbirds do a lot of the fertilization of the essential uh, growth in in uh, Costa Rica. So I, I was fascinated. Huh. Interesting. To, to hear that. Now, yeah. hummingbirds are yeah. supposed to symbolize joy, so I really welcome uh-huh. seeing them at any point because they are, you know, that's what they stand for. Uh, but yeah, with, yeah. Um, with, let's go back to the crows for a minute because there are people I've been watching their videos, and what they've been doing is leaving out food for the crows and mm-hmm. little gifts, mm-hmm. you know, shiny things. Mm-hmm. And then then the crows mm-hmm. bring things back to them. They bring their bring gifts oh. back, and it's oh. an amazing relationship that can develop Wonderful. with. Wonderful. With these pros, Cause, but they're so darn smart. It's it's really amazing, yeah, and yeah. I've heard them talk, yeah. and they are clearly yeah, yeah. saying words. So it's, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. 
But with yeah, some yeah. of the other birds of prey, um, their language mm. is, I mean, they seem like it's a different song that they're singing than the typical yeah. songbird. So what's the difference in yeah, the, well, between the birds well, of prey? Well, I... The ones I, uh, the, a lot of them are pretty silent. The the sharp-shinned hawk eats only birds. You know, we, we have a lot of os- osprey down here. We have 81 osprey nests, which lar- largely Gil Fernandez built the bases for these things in the Westport, in the east and the west branch of the Westport River. So there, we have osprey, and they're, they're of course, fisher, uh, as are generally bald eagles prefer to eat fish of great uh, 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 and there's some wonderful osprey uh, on camera over in Wales that I watch a lot but um, but the the red-tailed hawk makes a kind of a very high or pretty high not as high as a little bird would but um, something like that that's not quite right but but and I, I keep saying, well, why would it do it? And I think it's to terrify his prey because mm-hmm. he makes a sound and his prey know exactly what bird's making that sound and scamper. You know, they try to get the heck out of there. I yeah, think I, I I, um, <laughs> uh, Did I tell you? I don't think I told you yet. John Young, who's a, a fantastic birder out in uh, Washington State, came east and gave a talk up up near Harvard. I think Harvard may have sponsored it. And he mentioned that with cardinals, you know, <laughs> these dramatic red cardinals and the not undramatic uh, females, with cardinals, he once saw the cardinal doing his thing and uh the female nesting maybe 10 feet away. And as the cardinal stopped singing, started to fly, uh, a sharp-shinned hawk came through and took him to eat. Oh. So oh. the whole idea of male birds and their beauty, their strikingness, and female and their unstrikingness is protective of the species because oh. the, the males get killed. The females and it killed and eaten, and the females much less so. So they're safer. They uh, they can blend in to the nest and the you know etc. So the, that that fascinated me because you know you think of cardinals as so <laughs> brave and and I guess they are <laughs> if they have to deal with that. But they, there's so much predation. All. Almost all, many, many birds will eat other birds, especially the young. You know, and no uh, idea. And snakes. <laughs> Those and cannibals. Snakes will, of course, <laughs> eat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, and uh, but but the the the, the most predatory, uh, uh, like the the hawks, um, sort of have their choice. Because, as you said, or owls. The owls are really the most successful predators uh, because they come at night <laughs> and and they can sweep swoop in and 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 eat things that are bigger than they are. Sometimes they seem to be oh well, certainly way more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they do. It's they. We have quite a quite a few of them up here, uh, but I always love to hear them talk to each other. Now, what about this? I mean, you know, our our audience is very much interested in communicating with birds, and and how do you, what do you recommend? I mean, how do you communicate with birds? I mean, I know you uh, imitate their songs, but is there another way other than that? I don't know. I don't know other ways, but I do know that if you, if the main thing is you could start with trying to repeat what, what they're saying, but realize that they don't want to hear that. I started writing uh, the, my first book on bird, uh, called Bird Talk at Brown Library. The ninth floor of the science library was all ornithology. And back then, in the late 90s and early uh, 21st century, um, the experts were recording Bird Talk and playing it back to them. And the birds would attack the speaker. They didn't want to hear their own song. Be, so it, because all birds 
vary it slightly. You know, uh, the chickadee does, and the next one does, you know, a quarter tone off, but different. Mm-hmm. See, so you have to develop. So what I would say for people trying to talk to birds, that they should start with what the bird is saying, but vary it, add variation. Oh, and okay. if you, in fact, what I did, what I did is I spent about twenty years, or after, uh, well, ten years to begin with, um, taking one bird each year. And because you'll find, you know, they say chickadee does this or robin does this, and you'll find they do a lot of other things too. You know, like, for instance, I have a wonderful picture of a little nesting cardinal that was taken right outside our house. But I never really mastered the – I knew the cardinals when they were near the nest had a very different language from all this, you know, all that strong stuff that uh, I was describing. So – they have a domestic, a nesting language, which is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that's true of crows to crows, too. Um, huh. so, yeah. so you are suggesting just basically listen to what they're singing and then imitate yeah. it but change it, vary it a little bit. So yes. it's not exactly, exactly. the same. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and, and if, you develop, if they develop their ears so they can hear, quarter tones, et cetera, then they'll, uh, they'll be able to, to vary it in significant ways. For instance, I, I often do with uh, uh, titmice, uh, uh, tufted titmice, who, who uh, uh, they uh, nest in uh, old trees. I, I, one of my, my things that I tell people is to leave up dead trees. There's all kinds of things that nest in them, including, of course, a lot of woodpeckers and chickadees and uh, uh, a lot of different things. But the tufted titmouse, you know, t- typically does, and which is and which I once tried to to teach, uh, uh, and I did. I succeeded, sort of. A tufted titmouse doing. Uh, Right, the, the Italian Symphony of Mendelssohn. Uh, but tufted huh. titmice, uh, uh, if you listen to them for a, a whole summer, you'll find that they do. <laughs> they they have different things that they do near their nests. And, oh, okay. Um, so, but what's it do, so when, when you, you do, do these songs? When you do these songs yeah. with these varieties of birds, does do yeah. any of them come and sit on your shoulder? Oh, or do they keep their Oh, well, no, uh, they'll come. No, they, they'll come. Um, uh, there's only a few kinds of um, – uh, most birds will, will come to your hand even, I mean, chickadees and things, if you have seeds and food, you know, in winter. Mm-hmm. Um, they You could get them to come uh, uh, do that, but I, I tend to keep my distance because I know it's dangerous for birds to become too uh, friendly with humans in general because uh, there are other humans who are not me and, and would just grab them, you know, and uh, put them in, whatever. Um, so, uh, yes, they, they, they will, they come closer. I, I had um, uh, this with a, um, I think it was a titmouse. It was over in another field, and I was um, calling back to it, and it came closer and closer that we wanted to see uh, who, what bird was making this, and when he found that it wasn't a bird, uh, he just uh, stayed away. But he originally was claiming the land around me as his land. And so when I made some sounds like the titmouse, then he thought, oh, there's another challenger here. So uh, so uh, a lot of uh, uh, bird talk is, is territorial. Um, mm-hmm. It's... Uh, uh, it, like uh, you know, Americans waving guns. Although that's 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 an entirely different thing now. But uh, the the it's a, this is my area kind of thing because of course they they depend almost all of them depend upon a certain area for, to to survive for food. We had a nesting um, woodcock out in back of our our uh, house, 
uh, when they they nest on the ground. So when there oh, were okay. wild uh, roses and uh, wild roses growing uh, on the ground, not not the uh, not the uh, uh, the the kind that grew in bushes, and um, so the, the, we had woodcock for and and woodcock do the uh, amazing um, on the ground. They make this kind of uh, uh, riveting sound, I think, as I recall. And then when they go up and fly in a, in a, uh, in about a football field sized uh, oval, they come back down turning as they come, doing kind of a kissing sound. <laughs> Just wonderful, wonderful, you know. But what happens? A neighbor moves in who's um, a landscape expert, right? And he guts all the wild stuff and puts in grass. And that's it. For the woodcock, they go somewhere Uh-oh. else. You know, I don't, I don't ever see them again. Uh, we oh, also have nests sad. in e- e- Yeah, yeah, it is sad. It is sad, and and I don't know what to do. You know, we've got new neighbors now that are doing exactly the same thing, only worse, I guess. He's he's mowing about four acres, um, mowing it, you know, trying to make it long, and it's so silly uh, when when the uh, natural stuff breeds uh, animals and birds and everything else. So, well, Alan, um, don't you think that it's important to teach people this? Because certainly this is not yes. something that people learn in school. So so they, yeah. of course, they're going to go and clear-cut a forest or, you know, create a yeah, lawn yeah. where there was a natural habitat for the woodcock. So, But people are, don't know. I mean, they're really ignorant to a lot of this, don't you think? Yeah, 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 but it's not just ignorance. It's this, you know, we've imported from England what they call their uh, 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 garden. They say, you know, out in the garden, they actually mean yard, you know, but sometimes it is a garden. But we've imported this idea of grass, which was seen as a great thing in the 18th century outside these mansions, right, because... There were other things growing besides grass, but now it's it's like I I think that my next door neighbor here really thinks grass uh, sort of proves his status. You know, uh, I don't know what it is that if he had wild stuff growing. In fact, I saw somebody that I sort of trusted. He he was married to a scientist and uh, son-in-law of a Yale grad who was uh, long gone now, but a house couple down from us. Anyways, uh, this guy, uh, uh, um, Hux, um, didn't, uh, uh, doesn't like wild stuff. He just had a whole bunch of stuff pulled out by his stone wall, of all things. You know, so I, I don't know. Some of it is, is ignorance, but some of it is actual priority. A cultural priority, grass over wild stuff, you know. So, um, anyways. <laughs> yeah, but it's helpful I, I, to hear from people a... like you, Alan, because, you know, you're, you obviously are very informed about all of this. And, I mean, I, I didn't realize that you should leave dead trees standing because animals like no, to, no, no. to use that. So I had yeah, no idea yeah, until... Yeah. No, Years no, ago, no, no, somebody mentioned that they they walked the property and said, "Well, you know," I said, "Well, what about taking this dead stuff down?" And she was like, "No, don't yeah. do that." And then she explained it to me. I totally understood, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll just leave it." But again, yeah. it's like an educational process that needs to happen oh, so absolutely. that people do absolutely. feel like they yeah. have a choice. And you don't, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you don't want dead things near your house of course obviously but uh but there are plenty of things we lucked out on our lot uh, because our house is back 70 yards from the road but it's on an angle and it's surrounded in the back by stone walls so it's very clear where the property is Sounds and lovely isn't. and we have uh, we have a couple of good good sized oaks which are doing their duty and we have a lot of missus sylvatica i've forgotten what the english name for that is but uh, that, that's a wonderful tree too, and and we have uh, 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 
uh, all in in uh, 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 what is it called? Um, uh, very common in in Westport. The uh, uh, well, they're they're berry, but they're not. They're uh, they look like grape leaves, but they're not grapes. Uh, well, it, it'll come back to me. But I, I'm, I, they're, they're the, their season is over. They, uh, we ate about oh, half a pint of them about okay. two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I have I have a, a, a an almond, a Chinese no, I mean a Chinese chestnut tree, which is doing very well. And I, I planted a walnut tree at about ten. Ten uh, years ago, no walnuts yet, so I don't know if I'll ever get walnuts, but it's growing okay. Well, so, anyways, and we have these wild cherry trees. You can make a kind of a something out of wild cherries, but uh, we don't do it. They're little things with big stones. But oh yeah, um, yeah, we we have them here too. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, yeah. you know, see, people people need to be informed, and so that they can make better choices if they want to support yes. wildlife like yes. this. Yes. But what was it that made yes. you? You were an English major, so what got you interested yes. in birds? Um. Well, uh, I suppose uh, music. Uh, uh, that that um, I, I was an English major, but I also uh, and, and comparative lit. I, in my life. I once Im- interviewed for a comp lit position at the University of California, uh, Berkeley. I didn't have a chance because uh, he asked me. The head was a uh, Blake Spar was a, a German scholar, and he said, "Well, why did you take Russian rather than German?" And of course, I said, "You know." <laughs> Chekhov, uh, 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 Onyegin, uh, uh, Pushkin, uh, Yevgeny Onyegin, and um, uh, Gogol. Gogol has the the worst title, funniest book in the world, which is called Dead Souls. It's about, mm-hmm. it has this great tax evasion. It's all about tax evasion. Chichikov. And, and uh, but Anyways, Russian lit has some wonderful, wonderful stuff in it. But uh, you know, uh, I don't think. But what took you uh, to birds? What took you to Ah, birds from English? Uh, Well, I think music. I think because I was a musician, I I played in the Smith Amherst Orchestra, first trombone, and I uh, uh, play jazz trombone. Is what I've, I've been playing. You know, uh, but I'm not I'm not a professional jazz trombonist because, for one thing, I can't stay up after midnight. I I tend to fall asleep. <laughs> I always have, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, so it was the music. It was the the, the, the music, and and uh, uh, I guess maybe I I brought English to the birds. That is, I brought communications and what what were they saying? What was the meaning? Uh, if I could figure out my freshman uh, students' uh, papers, I could figure out bird talk. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a challenge. Yes, yes, absolutely. And have you ever had, Alan, a spiritual or metaphysical experience with a bird? Um, hmm. Hmm. Well, I suppose uh, spiritual experiences all the time. The the metaphysical in my my uh, uh, book is titled uh, "Conversations with the Birds: The Metaphysics of Bird and Human Communication," which the the publisher put that title there. The the metaphysics I was talking about was the bird metaphysics that when they do the dawn chorus, you know, and they all join in on uh, making the sunrise. You know, I'm sure they think that if they don't join in, the sun may not show up, you know. And uh, so that's a metaphysical idea, that you're going to affect things by your intentions and by your, you know, speaking. And uh, so I think uh, that uh, simply trying to communicate and trying to, to know what they are saying is is spiritual, definitely spiritual, and maybe maybe metaphysical. 
But it also uh, birds um, uh, are, are are are. I have a chapter in my book called Ava Therapy. Um, therapy by birds. You can talk to your friends, or if you have no friends, enthralled by details of your latest body fluid samples and intestinal problems, you can talk to a <laughs> physician who is usually too busy to, to listen after a couple minutes. If your problems yeah. are more pressing, you can talk to a psychiatrist, or you can talk to a bird. Birds charge less, and their conversation mm-hmm. is more beautiful. Even if your shrink is operatic, Birds won't shower you with jargon based on bad translations. Freud, by the way, never used the term ego, for example, which came in with the 1933 English translation. Freud's word was each or ich. Avian language may well be the language of the psyche, of the soul, and the mind. So um, I think maybe that's what I suspected, that that we have our... Uh, English language, and it has some spirit. It can have spirit. The poems especially. Um, by the way, uh, some of the worst uh, poems are about birds. <laughs> um, some of the worst <laughs> lines, like, a bird, bird thou never wert. That's a line from Shelley. Uh, but also some of the best. For instance, Catullus in Latin. Passe deliciae mea poelae. May I, if will. Uh, 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 sparrow, uh, uh, pet of my love. Uh, Catullus begins one of his poems. So, uh, so th- there are some awful um, uh, lines that came came out of birds, and some some really really beautiful ones. Uh, Dickinson and and uh, even Byron has some good bird lines. Um, so. Uh, Here's another question for you. For people that are wanting to do this form of communication and just varying yes. what they're hearing a little bit, um, I'm, yes. I'm just curious, have you ha- heard any stories from them about what happened when they tried to communicate? Anything that was unusual? Uh, that, that's that's a good question, and maybe I should pay more attention. You know, the thing, when I give talks, and I've only given a couple on this book so far. I gave 80 talks on bird talk, but that was over, you know, 20 years. Uh, and I've only given a couple, partly because I've been uh, sort of in not, in not the best health. So, um, and I get an operation in, a, in 10 days or so that should make me, bring me back. So, uh, so I should maybe pay more attention to my audience. However, the audience that comes to me is often one that has not practiced this, has not got, done it, you know. They're they're mm-hmm. new to the idea, and so uh, well, uh, you might be able to get in touch with people who actually try it out, or have them get in touch with you or with me. They're they're perfectly well uh, happy to uh, to uh, tell me about. They can find my um, email on the website, I think, about the, the book. So I have mm-hmm. I have a a, a a website specifically on this book, which is called. Um, um, habitabletree.com habitabletree.com is, is is only about conversations with birds but I also okay, have a, a Facebook Facebook page uh, based uh, on my uh, first book uh, which also includes this it's called Bird Talk uh, Conversations with Birds so um there's stuff about specific birds in that one too. Yeah, because I think with when people try these these techniques out, it's really interesting to hear what happens. Yes, yes. You know, do, do yes, the birds I come into their dreams at night? You know, do they I, have yep, a mystical yep, yep. experience? I mean, because the birds yep. are so sacred and powerful in mm. their own way. And yet, again, it's it's something that when people get up and get going in the day, I think most don't even think about listening to them. And it's a shame because they're missing something so beautiful. Now, I also heard Mm -hmm. that when when birds start chirping in the morning, early morning hours, it actually messages the the plants. It also messages the plants. To to wake up and and start their photosynthesis and all of that, yeah. yeah so there's yeah, this yeah. this incredible 
connection of life, and yeah, the yeah, birds yeah. are so much a big part of it. Yeah, and yeah, I, I yeah. really wish wonderful. that for our audience and everybody who's is interested that they will connect more with birds and yes. Yes. Then they're a part of the circle again. They can feel it. They yes. can hear yes. it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, well, that's a really you know, remarkable I, feeling. Wonderful. And I see in in uh, where I live um big birds, uh, turkey, you know, um, Ben uh, Ben Franklin thought the turkey should be our national bird. He didn't like the eagle was always affiliated with empires and crowns and all that. Uh, so he thought the turkey should be our national bird, and there's certainly a lot of turkeys now uh, where I am, and uh, quite a few um, um, uh, vultures, who are pro- arguably the most beautiful flyers. Uh, they're um, they're uh, huge birds, and they circle and uh, looking, of course, for for to cl- the parts of the road to clean up from beasts that have been hit and stuff. But um, anyways, big, big we have a, We have a lot I of turkeys up here. And what mm. I find so interesting is a lot of them love to take selfies. I mean, they'll walk right up to the trail cam and pose. <laughs> I mean, they'll pose like one side of their face and then they'll get a little closer. It's really, really fun to get the photographs back and see that they're having a great time with this camera. So they're quite yeah, the characters. They re- they really yes, are quite yes. the characters. And we we always yeah. see the little babies in the you know the spring and summer uh, following their mom, and it's just adorable. Yeah. So it's but they yeah, can also yes. be quite destructive because my husband had these. Oh yes. He used to have these stainless steel trailers to transport things, and yep. he found these deep dents on these trailers, wow. and he's like, "What is causing this?" I mean, this is on wow. steel. And and then wow. one day he looked outside and there was this whole group of turkeys. And what they were doing was they were reacting to their reflection in the steel. Oh! And, and so they started pecking at it. Yeah, yeah, so they were yeah. pecking it. And they very did so much damage. He couldn't believe well, it. But that's how strong their beaks like are, great. too. Very interesting because I've seen a yellow warbler attacking our windows for weeks. You know, I keep thinking, why does it? Why doesn't it learn? It's not going to win against the window. But the turkeys did the same thing with the reflection in metal. Reflection. See, you got to yeah. have. You got to have a much less good metal. You tell your husband he's got to get uh, something dull, kind of dull. Cheap stuff. Exactly. <laughs> oh God! It was hilarious. He said, "What are the midgets coming on our property with little hammers? I mean, what is this?" <laughs> he couldn't figure it out. No, no. How but would it? Was you? Really How funny. would you? you? Couldn't possibly. Yeah. Yeah, really. There's Wonderful. no explanation. But then, then of course, they showed us what they were doing. But yeah, birds <clears throat> is so phenomenal, That's and funny. I think it's it's uh it's great that you've written this book, and hopefully has raised people's awareness. On connecting well, with birds. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for interviewing me. I, I really appreciate it, and I, I and I do encourage anybody that uh, uh, my um, email I think is on some sites. If you look up conversations with birds. Yeah, that would be great. And then people can share their stories with you too of what happens yeah, when they try right. this technique. I'd like to know about that. Exactly. Yeah. I'd love to yeah, know. No, that more. would be another no. great book. Yep. yep, it really would. It would well, be excellent. Thank well, you, thank you, Patricia. You are welcome. And, and good Alan. luck in the Berkshires. Yes, and, <laughs> good luck and in the Berkshires. we're gonna we're gonna wish good luck for PK in Tucson, Arizona, where yes. it's boiling hot and the winds yes. are blowing. So. Oh yeah. So that's, anyway, that's so sad. What's happening with global warming? Just terrible. What's happening? But anyway, yeah. uh, we still have. Uh, life and and birds. <laughs> we have thank the you. birds. That's right. Well, again, Alan, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation tonight. We hope your health continues thank to you. improve. And thank everybody, you. next next week we're going to be back with another great show. So be sure to wonderful. tune in. And until wonderful. then, 
We will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.